Coming up on Chasing the Natty, week zero is officially in the books and man, what an appetizer it was for the rest of the CFF season. We got some takeaways for you guys and we'll be going over our first set of waiver wire pickups for this upcoming year. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your Monday work after this awesome and wonderful thing we call college football has officially begun. I really hope you guys enjoyed that first slate of games. We got a lot to take away from it and a lot of different players to talk about for you guys today. So we will get into that very shortly. But first, before we go too far into it, I do wanna go ahead and just reiterate what content is going to look like going forward into this season. Jason Natty will be moving to two episodes per week. We'll, we will release one on Monday mornings. That'll be just like this one. We'll be going over the week prior. Uh, we'll be going over the game results. We'll be going over waiver wire pickups, stuff like that. And then on Tuesday, no, it'll be Wednesday morning, so it'll be released to you guys. We will be releasing a second episode for you guys that'll be a preview towards the next week. We'll discuss some sit starts. We'll be discussing some high-scoring games, all that good jazz. And we're going to try to move forward with uh, two of our awesome CFF analysts here at Campus Kitten on Sundays, or on, excuse me, on Mondays. It'll be the guy sitting right across from me, and that is Mr. Nate Marquise. And then on the Wednesday shows, that'll be Chris Moxley joining me for those as well. Speaking of Nate, Nate, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, man. Uh, glad to be back on. Glad college football is officially here. We got to watch games. I uh, went over to a buddy's house yesterday who's a huge Iowa fan, and uh, he convinced me to hate watch Nebraska with him. So he had a great time. Oh, watching I believe the, that. The Nebraska game unfolded. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm fired up. I think it's going to be great. Dude, I, it was so nice to just sit on my couch and just not move for an entire afternoon and just, like, flip through game after game. Man, I, I, yeah. I'll be real. I had a hard time keeping up with all the news yesterday and everything. I, 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 I got to get into midseason form by next week because next week is going to be the full slate of games. I have to it's keep up awesome. with everything. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get right into this. Uh, before it. we get started, just a quick few notes and everything again i talked about the in-season content coming up and everything but just real quick if you're watching this on youtube make sure you like subscribe and give us a little comment down below let us know who you are impressed with out of week zero or who you are going ahead and picking up off the waiver wire and then in addition if you're listening on podcasts make sure you leave a five-star review and follow us wherever you are and then absolutely go check out the rest of the campus canton family uh, tons of great podcasts for you guys, including the Campus Canton Flagship Podcast, as well as two new shows that we are doing on Saturdays. I am joining the rest of the Campus Canton crew with their Saturday morning show, The Tailgate. It'll be two hours before the games kick off at noon. 
absolute blast. I had a great time on it last week. And then there's also going to be a night show that Nate, I think you can tell everybody just about here in a little bit, because I think you um, definitely gave that one a listen, where they um, kind of do like a Sports Center style recap of the day. If I remember correctly, it goes live at 11 o'clock at night on Saturday. So it's like pretty much right as most of the games are done and everything. Nate, tell us about uh, College Fantasy tonight. Yeah, I just gave it a listen while I was uh, uh, doing a jog here just a little bit ago. So um, it was a fantastic uh, um, listen with with Felix running the show. He obviously does a great job of of spinning it back and forth to uh, to different guests. But yeah, they gave uh, uh, just a terrific breakdown of each game, what to look for, um, you know, as as far as fantasy production from key players. So man, if you missed any games, it is a, a really informative. Uh, you know, listen to to catch up on some of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, with that, let's just go get ahead and get right on into this. We're going to talk about some kind of major takeaways from the weekend here. Some of these are going to, we're going to talk about a few players that you probably could pick up on your waiver wires and stuff like that, especially some of the uh, lesser known players on these teams and everything. But there are so many takeaways from some of these games that we figured we'd just kind of throw them all together here. So let's get on right into it. First things first. One of the games that Nate and I talked about last week in terms of what we think or what we were kind of looking for this week was the Western Kentucky offense going up against Austin P. And survey says mixed bag, real mixed bag. And pretty much the question now is what to do with WKU because it started off really rough. And then by the end of it, they were starting to look more like the Western Kentucky offense we had seen in the past, maybe a little bit. Uh, but Nate, what were your kind of major takeaways from that game? Yeah, I'm with you. The There were definitely some concerns early on. The offense, you know, just didn't look like what we had gotten used to with uh, Zach Kitley there. And just what we saw from Austin Reed was a little bit of shakiness early. He missed a couple of throws early on. But in the second half, I feel like they really kind of turned the corner on, on their style of play. They started to look more like the Hilltoppers did last year in the second half. They kind of opened it up and said, okay, he's a gunslinger. Let's let him sling it. And I think and I think that looked better. They played with tempo. They started throwing it all over the yard. Obviously, from a fantasy perspective, we want them throwing it all over the yard. That's why we invested in this pass offense. So, But I think just like how we need to kind of give Austin Reed – a little bit of a chance and and let him kind of warm up to the system. We have to give Arbuckle a little bit of a chance too. Um, this was his first time calling plays. So um, we probably were, as we were watching it, thinking early on, you know, we, we maybe should have just given them a little bit more time to show what, what they're capable of. Yeah, I think it was kind of hot take city yesterday when this game was going on. Maybe it was because it was really the only game that was going on for a, for a good 30 minutes there before the Nebraska-Northwestern game kind of came on and everything. But man, there were some people that it felt like were just ready to give up on Reed as soon as... He, I believe he started the game off like three for nine. Like it was mm-hmm. not a good first half for Reed. Right. Uh, the WKU offense definitely struggled at times. And it really felt like the only piece that was really working there for a little while was Malachi Corley. But I'm very much in wait-and-see mode right now with WKU. Austin Reed's available in a lot of leagues right now. Like he's uh, Fantrax has him at 41% uh, roster ship in leagues. I still say that he, if he is available in your league, he is definitely worth a pickup and just holding on to your roster for now. Because I think as soon as this offense kind of shakes off the rust, 
Arbuckle gets more comfortable as a play caller. Reed gets more comfortable as a starter. Some of the weapons really start to step up already, and we'll talk about them here in a second. But Corley, Daywood Davis, they looked really good. Um, I, I think right now it's don't go too far one way or the other right now. It wasn't a great performance for WKU, but I think they're going to get better. And yes, Austin P probably is one of the worst teams they'll play this year because they're FCS. But also, again, they do play in the CUSA. So we're not talking about them taking a major step up in competition from here on out. They play. Yeah, they play Hawaii next week. And if if anybody stayed up late enough to watch and see Vanderbilt put up close to 60 points or whatever, then you know that that. Not only are you you should you not be dropping Austin Reed, but I start Austin Reed with confidence next week whenever whenever he faces Hawaii. So yeah, do not do not overreact and do something silly and and cut ties with with some of the guys on this team, Austin Reed specifically. Um, he's gonna be fine, man. They're, they're, yeah, he's he still put up 280 yards and four touchdowns. It's not like it's not like the dude just laid yeah. an egg. I mean, if, if, if that's solid. a bad performance, right. I'm I am all about this. Again, the only thing that might give you pause is like, well, a bad performance against Austin P. But again, it's the first game of the season. How many times have we played this before, where a, a, an offense looks rough in the first game or two of the season, and then they look really good as the year kind of goes on, down along? Countless yep. times. One other thing I do want to point out here, or two things real quick. David Davis it is a crime how available he is across most leagues right now. Again, Fantrax has a roster ship owner, uh, rate of 25% for him right now. He is one of the main two options for this offense going forward. Malachi Corley had a great day yesterday, three touchdowns. Obviously, he's going to be a massive red zone target for them. But David Davis... Absolutely killed it. Six catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. He's, again, as they kind of speed up the tempo a little bit, as they get more volume in that passing game going in the next couple of weeks, he could end up with seven, eight, nine catches per week. And I think that's absolutely wonderful for a guy that is available in a lot of leagues right now. Now, flip side of it, Joshua Simon. Man, I really was looking forward to Joshua Simon this year. And just, I don't maybe it was a fluke. Maybe they're going to utilize him more going forward. But I think he had one target on the yeah. afternoon. It was just, for a lot of us who have been hyping him up this entire offseason, just a very disappointing start. Yeah, it is frustrating. Now, keep in mind, again, it was his first game back in literally close to 365 days. He, he played one game last year, got hurt, missed the rest of the season. So his first game back. But he did not. Um, he did not get featured really at all in the offense. He had one target. It was early, um, and that was it. They didn't go back to him. Um, I hope that there's, you know, I didn't. I didn't check to see if he was still running around on the field. But I mean, they just did not seem to feature the tight ends very much. It looks like those those two top pass catchers, Corley and Davis, are going to absolutely eat this year, and um, probably not great for Joshua Simon moving forward unless something changes with the uh, with the system. Yeah, definitely bench probably Joshua Simon this next week. And if he doesn't perform next week, then just cut bait, move on to your next tight end. Though there, there will be others, and we'll get to a few guys that might be options here later. All right, move on to the next offense here. Let's go over to Chapel Hill with the North Carolina Tar Heels. And man, oh man, their young offensive playmakers really stepped up in this game. You got the running backs who had a great day. Drake May, just a phenomenal day uh, commanding that offense. 
Uh, Bryson Nesbitt, who I know a couple of people have been touting throughout the offseason as a potential tight end option, he had the second most productive day through the uh, in terms of receptions yesterday. Again, just overall great performance from everybody there. Nate, I'm going to let you start here because you told me beforehand you have a very, I would say, distinct opinion about this UNC running back room. So I really want to hear yeah. that. Yeah, let's let's start with the running backs. I, I do have strong opinions um, about it. First off, man, both of them, Hampton and Petaway. If you if if you've listened to us, if you've listened to Brandon Sanders, then you would then then you scoop them up in your dynasty drafts because we've we've been talking about them for a while and they did not disappoint. Um, what did they? I was just pulling up their stats here. Yeah, Hampton, I got you. Uh, Amari and Hampton had 14 carries for 101 yards and two touchdowns. George Petaway had four carries for 51 yards, a touchdown, and he also had a reception for negative five yards. So not great yeah. on the reception, but you know. And and we can compare that to so the other the other two running backs that got actual serious playing time um, was DJ Jones, who actually started the game, ran the first series, didn't really see much of him moving after that. He five carries for 10 yards, no touchdowns. Um, Hood was the other guy that got some run when the game was still in, in, in the balance, and he had four carries for 11. 11 yards, no touchdowns. So, I mean, not only did the freshmen get a lot of run, but they were by far the most productive of that backfield. So as far as between the two of them, so whenever I watched film on these two coming out, I was convinced that George Petaway was simply the better player. I think he is dynamic. I think he is extremely explosive. He does catch the ball well, but he just moves so much more fluidly um, than many of the other running backs in this class. And, but then, and he played in the spring, but then Hampton shows up late and the coaching staff absolutely loves this guy. And I mean, he's a, he's a brick house. I mean, he's 220 plus. Um, but when I watch him play, the movement skills just aren't there. Like I see with George Petaway. So it becomes this weird dynamic of, do you trust what your eyes are telling you? Or do you trust what you're hearing from beat reporters and how much they love Amari and Hampton? And, um, and so that, like we talked about briefly last week, Hampton's actually the guy, even though I don't think he's the better player that I would invest more in because he's a, he is a workhorse type of running back. And we saw that last night. He was the guy that got the bulk of the carries. Um, but man, they both look dynamic moving forward. But again, when I watched George Petaway play last night, my eyes again, told me he is a better player than Hampton. Uh, Hampton, I was trying to think of a, comp- a comp that I had for him. And the best thing I come up with, I actually don't think it's, um, it's Javante Williams that came before him. I, I don't think that's a fair comp. I think Javante Williams is way better than Hampton. Um, I actually think poor man's Royce Freeman was kind of okay. what I came up with a less explosive Royce Freeman was what I came up with Hampton, but make no mistake. If he is sitting on waiver wires, you've got to scoop that dude up. This oh, staff, yeah. this staff is going to use him often. I think very clearly we're at the point where it, it's at one point we all have our opinions, especially as CFF analysts and everything. Like we can watch our film. We have our own eyes, but at some point reality takes over to the fact that like what, for whatever reason, even if we like Petaway more than Hampton, Hampton's getting more carries than Petaway, even though I agree with you, Petaway on any given play can probably score from anywhere on the field. But again, if you're just looking at a pure volume perspective, Hampton has to be your guy kind of moving forward here. Now, no I have Petaway on several different rosters, and I'm not <laughs> dropping him on any of them. Do not get me wrong. Even in redraft, I'm not dropping him because I think there will be a dynamic where 
Petaway's going to have more than four carries mm-hmm. in, in games moving forward. This was a cupcake game. They limited the carries. They, they got their production. Again, for him to be averaging over 10 yards a carry for George Petaway, he's going he's gonna to earn more carries down the line. He will be just fine. Mm-hmm. I love both of these guys moving forward. And again, I, do th- I did think it was kind of funny that DJ Jones got the first carry, and some people were like, oh, DJ Jones, he's the starter. And then he just was done. He carried it for one time for one, one yard, and then he was basically done until basically the game was already out of hand. So he that- sat atop, yeah, I was going to say, he sat atop the depth chart whenever they really released the official depth chart. But if you, if you had been listening to, to everything we, we'd been talking about and what we've been reading as far as how that camp went, it's, it's only a matter of time that Hampton and, and uh, Petaway were going to take over. And yeah. that amount of time was literally 10 minutes. I would say not, not even 10 seconds. <laughs> it was very <laughs> it quick. If you, if you invested in Jones or Hood, I'm sorry. Um, you, you made the wrong, the wrong choice. I liked Hood last year. I, I yeah. was excited. He, he, could, he could have been something he, did if he didn't get injured last year. I think that injury has really kind of messed him up. Anyway, uh, let's talk about Drake May here for a second. Yeah. I did not see coming the fact that he would play this entire game. I, 100%. Yep. I said yesterday during the tailgate, I told people, like, if you, have, if you are playing in a league for some reason where you have to sit and start people this week, just go ahead and sit Drake May. I have no idea how long he's going to be out there, especially with the way they talked up Criswell. He played this entire game, and he looked phenomenal throughout a lot of it. Now, granted, again, Florida a and I know, I know, I know. But even still, the command he had with this offense – Performing well, five touchdowns through the air. He and he also ran. I didn't think people were kind of expecting May to kind of show off his legs in this game. Again, Florida A and M probably a little bit easier for him to show it off and everything. But more and more, he does kind of look like he could step up into the role that Sam Howell did. And if they needed him to run, he kind of showed yesterday that he could. So I'm very impressed with Drake May. Again, maybe this is some confirmation bias because I've been on him. Pretty, pretty confidently throughout the entire offseason. I was never really investing that much in J- Jacoby Criswell. But even still, like I was very impressed with that. And again, 52% roster ship on Fantrax. If for some reason he is available in your league, immediate pickup right now. If he is the starter throughout the entire season, he has top 10 CFF quarterback upside. I'm totally with you. I was I was shocked at how little little run that Jacoby Criswell got. I mean, he did not come in until it was, I mean, game was totally out of hand at that point. Um, you know, midway through the fourth quarter is when he started seeing some action. So, um, yeah. So uh, Drake may look pretty good at times. He he did miss he did miss a couple of guys, but overall, I mean, geez, you can't be upset at all at how that first that first performance was. I will say there's some serious, serious red flags with this offensive line oh, and yeah. their pass protection. My God, it's Florida A&M, and they were, they were hanging out in the North Carolina backfield all game long, putting pressure on him. So I do fear that, that um, he, he will be forced to make decisions quickly. Um, and, and it's kind of the same thing we ran into North Carolina towards the end of the last season is that they started to blanket um, – Oh my gosh, the wide receiver, um, Josh, Josh Downs. Jeez, uh, they started a blanket Josh Downs towards the end of the year. And what happened? How was running twenty times a game towards the end of the season? I mean, he was, he was. I mean, he was going towards hundred yards 
almost every every other game second half of the season last year. Mm-hmm. I think I think May's going to be forced to run a little bit more than than we anticipated because the pass protection just does not look good there at North Carolina. But yeah. man, Josh da- Josh Downs look good though. Holy jeez, he, yeah. he looked awesome, man. He's he's phenomenal. Oh yeah. I was a little worried about Josh Downs at first because I'm like, okay, maybe they're just not going to play with, play around with him that much in this game. They're going to wait it for others. And then, like, the second half, he just blew up completely and for two touchdowns. And I'm like, okay, well, there's there's a Josh Downs we all know and love. He's uh, stud. Speaking of receiving options, two guys uh, to talk about here. Bryson Nesbitt, the tight end wide receiver kind of hybrid player they have there, finished the day second on the team in receptions. He had four receptions, 53 yards, and a touchdown. Do we think that continues there, Nate? And then on top of that, where's Andre Green Jr.? We yep. heard all offseason about how great he was going to be once he got out onto this field. We all thought that he like he was set up for starting time here, and he's got a big fat zero from yesterday. Yeah, he's one of those guys similar to Hampton. Um, came in late, did not play in the spring, but the the reviews on him were just so overwhelmingly positive that we just assumed he was going to play some kind of a role week one. It appears he's a little bit further behind and, and maybe a little bit more raw than we anticipated. So um, that's, that's a little bit concerning. He's, he's looking more right now as a stash than somebody that can contribute this year. Um, and I thought, I mean, I had a, I put together my tier one of P5, um, freshman wide receivers. And I included him in that tier with burden, um, and, uh, and Stewart over at Texas A&M and boy, I, I burden and Stewart are locked in starters and it does not appear that Andre green is going to see that, that much, um, you know, at least for the next few games, uh, actual play time. So as far as Nesbitt's concerned, yeah, he looked good. Um, I, 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 he's one of those guys that I highlighted. I wish I would have gotten more shares of, uh, before this this season started, because he's he's a tight end, but he's really a wide receiver that can play the boundary. He he can he can stretch the field. Um, he's that type of guy. So yeah, I do think that he can be a factor in this pass game. Yeah, no, I'm definitely uh, again Nesbit 21% roster ship on fan tracks. If he's available, I say if in your, if you're not in love with your tight end option, just go ahead and pick him up. And I think he'll probably be better than whoever you got sitting there, unless it's like so, unless it's again like. Meyer, Trigg, Bowers, or some somebody like that. Um, anybody else I kind of want to bring up here with North Carolina? I think that is pretty much it. The only thing I will say is that, again, Andre Green Jr., I think there's still a chance that we see him start by year's end. I think that, like, just there's too much coming out of camp that yeah. tells me that they want him out there. I don't know why he wasn't out there yesterday. I'll probably talk to Brandon Sanders, see if he says anything that might indicate why maybe there was like a bang up. They just didn't want to risk it or he, he, well, he was actually on, he covered the North Carolina portion on the, uh, the, the, the oh, fantasy cool. rundown last night. Yeah. He just said, he's just, he's just raw and it's just going to take time. He'll okay. see the field at some point this year, but um, you know, when you don't, not everybody's a freak show that can show up in June, like Amari and Hampton and all of a sudden be the guy. So um, even, even though he's really good, it's going to be a little bit of time. All right, let's move on to the last offense we're really going to break down here, and then we'll get into our more individual waiver wire picks in the second half of the show. Let's talk about this Utah State offense. And to me, this offense was not quite what I expected it to be. Mostly the run running. They ran quite a bit in this game, more than I expected. Now, maybe, again, they were going up against UConn. They 
thought probably that they could just kind of run it down UConn's throat, get out of there, move on, not have to show much of their offense for, again, they have Alabama next week. I saw somebody's being like, oh, is Utah State saving stuff for Alabama? I'm like, why would they do that? It's Alabama. They're going to get destroyed regardless. Why would they worry about showing anything regardless? But that to me was kind of the major story here. Tyler, Calvin Tyler Jr., 33 freaking carries, 161 yards. No touchdowns, unfortunately, but still 33 carries. That is an insane number of carries for an offense that we said was going to be super pass heavy. And I believe they only threw it like, what, 29 times? in this game yesterday like they did not throw it around a lot and it didn't really give us a whole ton to work with in terms of the receivers now brian cobbs had the best day it was seven receptions 78 yards and a touchdown but we also got a little we got a sneak peek at some of the guys behind him uh kyle van leeuwen uh had the best day of the slot receivers he had three catches 54 yards and a touchdown and then justin mcgriff the other boundary receiver pretty much had an identical day to lee lee Yuen. Yes. Um, three receptions, 53 yards, and a touchdown. I think those are going to be your three moving forward. Again, I know me and Nate were both kind of rooting for Nana. I was rooting for Tyler Vaughn. Tyler Vaughn had an okay day, but Lee Wynn definitely kind of uh, seemed to be making the bigger plays out of those slot guys. What are your thoughts overall on this offense, Nate? The run games, the receivers, what are we thinking here? Yeah, it's, you know, it's week zero. I'm not going to freak out. Um Logan Bonner did look a little uncomfortable at times. They looked like um, they had a, a little bit of trouble establishing establishing their normal identity that you see for a, from a Blake Anderson offense. Um, yes, as as you mentioned with with Calvin Tyler, if you're going to give me a running back that has a 35 touch workload, I am very interested. Even if it is Utah State's running back. Um, I'm going to be interested in that level of volume. Now, obviously they play Alabama next week. He's not going to get 35 touches. Uh, but if this, you know, if this is a guy that you can just hold off for a couple of weeks on and, and, and give you that kind of volume later on in the season, that's very enticing. I think this offense is going to be fine. It does appear at this point that, that Cobbs is clearly the wide receiver one there. Those of you that paid up for him in your drafts, looks like it might actually pay off a little bit for you. Um, I still don't expect Devin Tompkins type numbers, but yeah. um, he looks he looks like he's going to be a solid 75 to 100 plus yards with a touchdown each week. And, and really, that's all you can ask for. So yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how the wide receivers play out. I, I I watched bits and pieces of this game. I think what we saw from McGriff is what we're going to get. A guy that kind of bullies people in the corner of the end zone, yep. uses his six foot six, six, seven frame. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a spike in production just based off his touchdowns. Um, I don't think he's going to be a, a guy that's going to get you eight catches for a hundred yards very often. So I agree. I think, uh, yeah, I think, I think Cobbs is, is a nice solid play and, and, you know, we'll see on, on, uh, gosh, I'm going to struggle with his name too. Lee Ewan. we're going to see with Lee Ewan, uh, as far as if he can keep up this pace and, and control the slot, because I do think that that Vaughn's and uh, and Davis are are, are going to push him throughout the season. I agree. They're definitely both nipping at his heels. Here's the other thing that I'm kind of thinking of, and this is where I'm going to go off into conspiracy land here and everything. We've heard the possibility that Logan Bonner has been injured. Is he still recovering? Because he played the entire game, and he looked right. he, he looked like he wasn't super injured. But it is un, very uncharacteristic of his offense to have their lead running back carry it 33 times. 
Are they protecting Logan Bonner right now, especially against a weaker opponent like UConn, while he's still recovering from whatever has been going on this offseason? You, do we think that's a possibility? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, yeah, this guy had knee surgery in the offseason. Um, he didn't play much. He didn't play at all in the spring. He didn't he didn't even play much in the fall. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's it's it's fair to think they're going to ease him back into this thing. Uh, they got Bama next week and, and then maybe they start to take the uh, um, the training wheels off a little bit after a few weeks into the season. And, and this offense is kind of humming like we like we expected it. Yep. By the way, uh, it does look like Levi Williams is going to have a package in this offense where he comes in, you know, maybe runs five or six plays throughout the game. I wouldn't worry too much about it as far as him being the backup, the full, the actual QB two there. That guy threw one pass in the flat from four yards and he overthrew his receiver by five yards. And it was a four (laughs) yard pass. It was one of the worst passes I've seen in a long time. It was atrocious. That man cannot throw a football to save his life. He should play he should play like a, a huge slot receiver or something. He's awful at throwing the football. Yeah, no, again, his legs are the reason why they would yeah. ever throw him out there. No doubt. All righty. I think it is now time to kind of move on to our waiver wire pickups for this week. So for those of you who didn't watch last year, I base, I try to, going forward, I'm going to try to keep this under 40% roster ship on fan tracks. That is mostly there just to, just so that I'm actually giving you guys that are probably going to be on your waiver wires. Each week you can at least go and check to see if they're available and everything like that. Obviously, there's going to be some people that are going to break into this regardless because it's just so important for them to talk about. But that's kind of the loose rules that I'm going with here. Now, what we will not do is kind of set a limit on how many points they had to score from the previous week. Because Nate and I had this discussion kind of before the show today where the guy who did who who um the the best waiver wire pickup you can pick up some weeks isn't the guy who scored a ton the week before there are other indicators that show there's going to be massive production for them down the line and a lot of that has to do with volume targets how many carries they got how much how much did they separate from the rest of their pack and we'll definitely get into some of those guys as we kind of break those down and again normally once the full season gets started, I'm going to try to have five QBs, five running backs, five wide receivers, and three tight ends for you guys each week. But again, it was week zero, so there were some slim pickings, especially at quarterback and tight end, and then we'll definitely have the full slate of running backs and wide receivers here. So yeah, let's get started with this. Only one quarterback really for this week, because again, we, we talked about Austin Reed already. We talked about Drake May. Again, if they're available in your leagues, they're available in a lot of leagues, go ahead and pick them up. But the other one I kind of want to talk about here, Nate, is... Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson, to me, had the anti-Adrian Martinez performance for Nebraska yesterday, where normally we're used to Adrian Martinez sucking for three quarters, and then for some reason in the fourth quarter, he becomes like a borderline like QB god and like manages to run all over the place, score a bunch of stats and everything like that, and get his team back close. Casey Thompson had the opposite. Started off really hot. Looked really good in this game. And I was thinking all of a sudden, like, oh, man, maybe Mark Whipple really turned this offense around, found himself a great QB for this. And it could be wheels up for the Nebraska offense here. And then just as the game went on, as they got further and further away from their script, as, quite frankly, the pressure just kind of got on Nebraska throughout the game, man, Thompson kind of fell apart. But he still ended the day pretty well. 22 points. Um... Again, you don't love the two interceptions and everything like that, but if they can put it together, 
we've seen what Mark Whipple can do with um, quarterbacks in the past. We saw Kenny Pickett last year, who was a top, I think he was QB six or seven last year. So if things get put together here, Casey Thompson absolutely to me is worth a stash right now on rosters. What do you think here? Oh, hundred percent. If, if he's available on your, on your waiver, you need to be adding Casey Thompson just because of the upside that you get from a Mark Whipple QB. As far as his performance yesterday, um, a couple of things kind of changed things. I mean, obviously from out, out the shoot, First possession, they just marched downfield. He threw a nice touchdown pass. They 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 looked like they were going to start rolling on offense. Um, there was a huge momentum change when when they kicked the onside and 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 did not get it. And then all of a sudden, Northwestern kind of got it going again. Um, and then we'll talk about him more later. But Travis Vokalek went down with an injury um, in the second half, and that guy was just absolutely killing it for Casey Thompson as far as a. As, a, as an outlet whenever his, uh, when Trey Palmer wasn't open. So um, that kind of changed things, um, you know, along with the onside. And and both of his interceptions were balls that went off of receivers' hands that mm-hmm. popped up into the air and ended up intercepted uh, that weren't necessarily his fault. Not to yeah. say he was super accurate. Just like what we saw at Texas, he missed a couple dudes wide open on some deep balls that would have been touchdowns. We saw a lot of that with Xavier Worthy last year, um, and, and we're going to see it at times. But it's a Mark Whipple QB. The man puts up points. We've yep. seen it. He can do it. This, he, he's, he is very, very capable in this Nebraska offense. Be weary, though. The only thing you get, you do got to worry about is they still have two buys left. Yep. They, they're going to play uh, Oklahoma in a few weeks. Oklahoma should be uh, somewhat improved on defense. Uh, and then they finish the season with Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Iowa. Yes. So, I mean, that's, that's a rough end of stretch. He's going to get, he's going to get some games, you know, Purdue, Rutgers, teams like that, Illinois, mm-hmm. but um, you're going to have to pick and choose your spots with him with all the buys and then the brutal finish to their, to their season. Oh yeah. And that's what makes him a great backup QB option. Yeah. I don't think this is going to be a guy that you're starting week in and week out. And it's the perfect guy to just kind of like this early on in the season, just be like, all right, grab him, stash him for later. He's not going to win your league, but he's going to get you into the playoffs is essentially what he is. He's, he's a great security blanket, um, but he's not going to win you a title. Yeah. yeah. Even in a performance that I think a lot of us would kind of consider rough yesterday, again, still scored over 20 points in fantasy and everything. If you can guarantee that out of your quarterback each week, I think you're sitting pretty happy. I did not see a shootout coming in that game last night nope. or yesterday afternoon. I did not. I did not see them, you know, pushing 60 points total. Like that was that was wild. All righty, let's move on to these running backs. So, not you. Go away. There we go. Right one now. We're going to start off with, again, what I'm going to try to do kind of going forward is we'll start with kind of the more obvious ones. These are typically the more higher, like, roster percentage guys that are owned and everything. Guys we've already talked about in the preseason, so we probably won't talk about them too long. But this one, to me, is, like, I'm not eating a little bit of crow here, but, like, because I don't think I've drafted... Evan Hall once this year. Evan Hall running back out of Northwestern, rostered on 42% of uh, fantasy rosters, according to Fantrax. But I did. I was really worried about how they were going to break down this running back room for Northwestern. And he, they still broke it. They, they still broke it down between him and Cam Porter very decently. But what I did not really see coming was just how much more of a factor Evan Hall would be in the receiving game than I give him credit for. Dude ended the day with 22 carries, 119 yards, and a touchdown. That's a great stat line, even for just a normal running back. 
and then he also added five catches for 55 yards on top of that if they continue to use him like that week in and week out you absolutely have a fantasy relevant running back going forward here despite the fact that cam porter again also had a relatively similar uh carry numbers but if evan hulk he's performing like he has and i believe he was over five yards per carry in this game he's just going to earn more touches as the year goes on and we'll get closer and closer to what he was last year which is the clear number one back for northwestern what do you think here nate am i get am i kind of putting the cart before the horse here on evan hall no i think the if if you've looked at the analytics of what evan hall's capable of and if you listen noah hills uh for c2c turned me on to him because he he did a uh, a breakdown of evan hall and i was like holy crap this guy's pretty impressive with with what he's able to do if you take a pretty deep dive into how he's performed so um didn't didn't really surprise me too much yesterday uh he's better than cam porter i hope that they continue to be able to uh give him a pretty heavy workload the nice thing is even though they've got a buy next week uh their following three games are duke southern illinois and miami of ohio so those are three pretty enticing games um He's a really good player, man. He makes big plays. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Northwestern can support two running backs because they just haven't been a, um, a dynamic enough offense in order to do that. It's been one does well when the other one's hurt. Yeah. Um, so if they're both healthy and producing. But, I mean, Nebraska averaged um, less. I think they were right around 147 yards on the ground is what they gave up last year. They were a pretty stout run defense. That defensive line was in shambles by how Northwestern's offensive line treated them yesterday. Mm -hmm. I mean, there were massive holes and they were just abusing them in the second half. So if they can become kind of that um, poor man's Michigan from last year, where both these dudes can eat and uh, the offensive line can push some people around, then that's, that's pretty enticing. The only problem is, is later in the season when they start playing some, you know, teams like Penn State, Ohio State, you know, I mean, they're going to be the, that game script looks a little bit different than maybe it did. But man, yesterday they didn't care. Even when they were down, they were pounding the rock. I mean, that's true. But he, again, Evan Hall to me, I'm not going to say he's game script proof, but if he, if, if he's getting the receiving work like he was yesterday, yep. like he's still going to be a factor in the past game. And heck, if they're down, they're not going to throw Porter out there. They're going to throw Hall out there because he's 100%. the better receiver out of the two. It's a great point. It's a great point. So, all right. Let's head up another running back here, going to the opposite side of this game. Anthony Grant, running back out of Nebraska, the JUCO transfer, rostered on nine percent of in nine percent of leagues according to Fantrax. Nate, this had to have killed you yesterday because again, we talked about all the time that Mark Whipple is a committee guy. He is like he's not going to settle in on one guy. We're not getting on any of these Nebraska running backs, and then he hands this ball off to Anthony Grant 19 times in this game yesterday. Not even in the second running back wasn't even close. And he goes for 101 yards, two touchdowns, also gets a reception for 16 yards. Do we think this is a product of the fact that I believe Gabe Ir- Irwin did not play yesterday um, or he was very limited? Yeah. Or, so, okay, go uh, ahead. Let me, let me, yeah, let me interrupt you for just a second. So clearly it's just rumors at this point, but the word is, is that Gabe Irvin and Ramir Johnson were, and potentially Omar Manning, who we did not see as well, were all involved in some sort of uh, off the field incident gotcha. in Dublin prior to the game. So um, maybe enjoying their trip to Ireland a little bit too much. 
uh, and did not see the field. So yeah, sorry. Continue with, with what you're saying. Oh no, I, I was going to say like it, it, it may have just been because those other two guys were not involved yesterday, but at the same time, like if he's really that committed to a committee approach and everything, why let Grant be such a much bigger factor if not the fact that he may just be the best running back on this team? Yeah. So, okay. First of all, <laughs> Mark Whipple, how dare you, sir? Um, why, <laughs> why, why, why do you, why do you treat Izzy so bad? Why does, why do you hate him so much? No. Um, so I do think I, Anthony Grant looked good. Don't get me wrong that he, he, he missed a few holes a couple times, ran up the back of his, of his uh, lineman a couple times, but let's face it. The dude ran for hundred yards off 19 carries. He was yeah. productive. Um, there's no doubt about that. To the right, I, here's why I do think it's a little bit of fool's gold um, and why okay. I would caution people in, into not running to the waiver wires to scoop this guy up. Uh, we've already talked about the schedule and, and, and how that's going to be a factor. But and, and last week we talked about it. Mark Whipple loves a committee. I don't know that I'm going to waver from that based off of one performance when two of the of the four potential running backs in that committee were essentially out, like they they just they just weren't going to play. Um, Yant's going to get some of the goal line work. He did get like all th- I think all three of his carries came right at the goal line. He got stuffed on all all those carries as well. I would say he probably um, didn't earn anymore. I can tell you that much. <laughs> right? Yeah, he was unable to to achieve what what he was sent in there to accomplish. But um, Anthony Grant looked good, but I don't like I don't think that this is this is a player that you're going to be able to depend on moving forward. I still think Whipple's going to, to spread it around a little bit and Casey Thompson's going to run the ball around the goal line. Gant's going to get goal line touches. I just think there's a little bit of a cap here. Um, if you get grant it's, it, this is a, a really deep kind of depth move in, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Like let, let, let me reiterate something and everything like that. These are not all guys that we're saying, like, no matter who you have on your roster, you must pick these guys up and put them on your roster. A lot of these are like, if you are struggling at running back and you really don't like your running back room, this is probably a guy you might look at in order to feel a little bit better about yourself kind of moving forward here or I, a kind of a plug and play guy on different weeks. What were you saying? I, Nate? Sorry. Well, I was just gonna say, I think this is a great example of what you, what you talked about when we opened um, this waiver wire discussion. If you, if you're the type of owner, that on Sunday afternoons or Mondays before your waivers run, if you click on the, the, the available players and, and you see at the top of that Fantrax list, um, Anthony Grant, and you're like, oh, my God, 100 yards, two touchdowns. This guy just showed out, and I've got to get this guy. If you don't watch these games and realize, uh, well, except for two of the other top backs didn't even play in this game, um, and there's a history of, of a committee there, there's, there's a level of nuance that you kind of have to look at with some of this mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, we're going to talk about some guys that, that, um, should definitely be considered, but we're also, you know, there's times when you got to kind of pump the brakes on some of these guys oh, yeah. and maybe, you know, maybe he's, uh, somebody you bid a, a couple of dollars in your fob. You don't go and, and, and bid 10% of your fob budget on. Oh, I agree. 100%. Right. All right. Nate, not a big fan of Anthony Grant, but let's see if he's a bigger fan of this next guy here. Uh, Aiden Robbins, running back out of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, rostered on 3% of rosters on, according to, or 3% of leagues, according to fan tracks. Robbins was a guy, like, leading up to it was like a DFS darling. A lot of people were kind of throwing him out there as like a cheaper option for DFS this upcoming week and i said you know what like if he hits as the unlv main back 
that's going to be somebody you want to roster on the way down. Charles Williams had a great year last year. It wasn't he wasn't like the sexiest of running backs to have, but he finished as the RB sixteen last year. And so, and we saw in this game, Aiden Robbins not great in terms of efficiency. I think he had ten carries for thirty five yards. But he also had three touchdowns on the day. This was a guy that once they got around the goal line, they threw him out there. And for the first couple of drives, he was the main guy they were handing the ball off to. And then once they got later to the game, they had a little bit more fun with it. They were playing Idaho State, literal potatoes in football uniforms. So they just had some. They they just had a good time on offense. But he was the first back out there, and I think that this is somebody that we got to keep an eye on here. And again, if you're looking for depth for your RB room kind of going in for a few weeks and you're looking for a team that's going to have a, I wouldn't say the hardest of conference schedules once we get around to it, they play in the Mountain West. I think this could be a guy that you're looking at here. What do you think, Nate? Yeah, I think if you play in deeper leagues, he's somebody I would consider. Um, you you made a great point. Charles Charles Williams was a fantasy monster. Um, and this this system has shown that they can really feed one running back. And if he becomes that guy, even if he's not as good as Charles Williams, there's still some value there. So um, I would, I would say, you know, temper expectations. He had 11 touches and, and still had three touchdowns. That's not super sustainable. We want to see more volume. I think, um, you know, how they perform in future weeks, you know, coming up, he's somebody maybe I would kind of monitor. I don't know that I'd, I'd probably add at this point. Now, if you're in a super deep league, um, then yeah, you gotta you gotta roster the the RB one for a UNLV running back system. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I probably just kind of monitor this, and and if we see, you know, week two, all of a sudden he's getting that volume we want to see, fifteen to twenty touches. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, you know, then I'm then I'm interested. So here's the thing with him, and Nate, you kind of brought it up yesterday in our Slack channel when we were talking about the UNC running backs. You mentioned yesterday that like if they shut down Amari and Hampton like some point during the second half, that that meant that they were going to try to save him for future weeks. That they this was their guy. They felt good with it. They're going to go forward with it. Robbins was the guy for them on the first couple of drives here, and then they just shut him down. He was done for the rest of the day. Again, he scored three touchdowns, they, and then they just shut him down. He didn't really play a whole ton the rest of the game. So that, to me, is kind of an indicator that going forward, he's going to get more volume than he got in this game. Again, they play Idaho State. They were up like 38 to like 7 at the half. Like it was, this game was never even close. Yeah. And so, again, they shut it down, got some of their other guys out there. We'll talk about the other uh, kind of major player here in terms of who we might want here out of UNLV. But I feel pretty confident about Robbins kind of moving forward. And again, do I think he's going to be Charles Williams? Probably not. I think Charles Williams kind of got his role after year after year of being there at UNLV. Robbins, the new guy in town here. But I think that, or the new starter in town here at the very least, I, again, stash him. Don't start him next week. Again, it's definitely a wait and see kind of deal. But if you have a deep enough roster, go ahead and pick him up. Let's go ahead. ahead. I was just going to say, rest in peace, Harrison Bailey. Oh, my God, dude. To to go from uh, a highly touted Tennessee quarterback to now the backup that gets uh, garbage time for UNLV and versus the terrible Idaho State Bengals or whatever they are, yeah, and goes three for eight. I'm sorry, rest in peace, Harrison Bailey. Your fantasy relevance is now done. Yeah, if you have him on a dynasty roster, just just cut him, just cut chuck him, him, put him, chuck put him, him away, put him out of his misery. All right, let's go another G5 quarterback here. 
Nathan Carter, running back out of UConn, yesterday finishes the day against Utah State with 20 carries for 190 yards. No touchdowns, and he had an extra perception for 10 yards. Again, no touchdowns on the day. But man, 10 yards per touch. Here's my question. Do we trust Nathan Carter here on UConn? Because we have Kevin Benson in the past that have that has done well for UConn as their main running back, despite UConn being terrible. Or is this just indicating to me going forward that anybody who has a running back against Utah State immediately needs to be starting? Because it again, 10, 10 yards a carry for Nathan Carter, again, eight, on a team that is not very good, yeah. kind of indicates to me that Utah State's defense might become the Mizzou defense this year. <laughs> yeah, everybody's looking for that. Okay, who's, who's, who's the D that's going to give up 200-plus every game? Um, yeah, I mean, we briefly talked about him last week, and I said, you know, I do want to see how this, how this kind of plays out. Also, we are going to be, if you're listening to this, it's, it's at least Monday morning. And it's going to be depth chart week. There's going to be depth charts coming yes. out all over the country, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, next week. This is a great example of don't look too much into the depth charts. Yes. Nathan Carter was second on the depth chart. He absolutely obliterated Utah State. Don't, yes. And he was good last year. That's why I wanted to see how he could perform. He was, he was good at times. But yeah, the problem is it's UConn. And are they really going to be in enough games in order to use him as much as they'd like? They do look improved. Um, you know, so I, I think, you know, I think that part of it is, is interesting. Uh, also they had a, a QB go down Zion Turner came in true freshman. So, um, just want to point that out. He was one of my impact 50, uh, freshmen that I had on our, uh, on our list, on our CFF guide. So got a true freshman starting at quarterback. Yeah. It's just, boy, it's, you can own him. It's going to be really hard to have confidence when you starting. I agree. That's the thing. If he's, he's the type of player and I, and I kind of put um, Mike Wright for Vandy in the same category. Mm-hmm. He's the type of player that if you are, if you have a, like I play in a couple of leagues that are best ball scoring format, we do weekly waiver moves, but the scoring is best ball. You don't have to pick your starters. Gotcha. He's somebody that in that format, I would be interested in Nathan Carter. I'm super interested in, uh, in, in Wright uh, for, for Vandy because they're going to blow up every once yep. in a while. You just don't know exactly when that's going to be. No, absolutely fair. All right. I know you got to go here relatively soon, so we're going to keep it moving. All right. Perfect example here on this last running back we're going to talk about. Shadrick Bird running back out of Charlotte. This is a man that yesterday would have scored six fantasy points. This is not somebody that when you run to your waiver wire and you look at the top performers in the past week, he would be anywhere near the top. We are recommending him here today. Why? Well, we thought that Charlotte was going to be a team that split the carries a whole lot more. That did not happen yesterday. Shadrick Bird had 14 carries, and I believe the next closest person to him had three carries. Those are both quarterbacks. The next closest running back had one carry. Exactly. So Bird was clearly the number one running back yesterday for this team. There, again, you don't love that they didn't perform well against a team like FAU, but... In a couple of weeks, this this upcoming week, they play William and Mary. If Charlotte can't run the ball on William and Mary, then there is no value to be had here whatsoever. But 
In CFF, you just want bell cow backs. You want guys to monopolize the backfield, monopolize the touches. And Shadrick Bird, at the t at, as of right now, looks to be that guy for Charlotte. And if they can get that offense working a little bit better than they did yesterday, like, my God, they went like two for 11 on third downs yesterday. It was something awful. Um, Shadrick Bird is somebody that is a very, very sneaky play right now. What do you think about Bird? Nate? Yeah, I agree. Same, same situation as Robbins. If you're if you're in a deeper league or if you're looking for some depth and you want to see, um, you know, you want a guy that could get you that high volume. Um, I, I would definitely keep an eye on Shattered Bird. There, there was talk that he was going to, you know, play pretty well this year. And man, anytime you get a running back that gets 16 touches and the next closest got one, uh, I'm interested for sure. 100. This, this is a good this is a good offense. Like, I, I think there's a chance that this offense performs better than what we saw yesterday. I, I think that. That was, a, that was a bad performance, but there's opportunity for this offense. And it would help if uh, if their starting quarterback didn't get hurt in the middle of the yeah. game. He came back, right. but he, like, he, he was definitely out of the game for a little while. Definitely probably screwed with some of the momentum there. Yeah. All right, moving on to wide receivers. Another great example of a guy that would not have a ton of fantasy points from yesterday. In fact, he had a very disappointing stat line for me yesterday because uh, he should have done way better than this. Part of it was his usage. Part of it was just bad luck. But Isaiah Williams, wide receiver out of Illinois, uh, rostered on 40% of leagues right now. Seven catches for 26 yards yesterday. So many people will focus on that 26 number. The far more important one is that seven. And then even further than that, the nine Ten targets tar that he Ten got targets, yesterday. Yeah. Ten targets yeah. he got yesterday. Uh, you want wide receivers on your fantasy team that are going to get that that much volume week in and week out. You're not going to have a terrible luck with Isaiah Williams every single week. Dude should have had so much more produ production yesterday. Part of it was um, a touchdown that was called back because his knee barely hit the ground. Another one was a... Um, he had two, he, two big plays that there were flags on the yeah, play, say, like, a, like, a, like an infraction blocking blocking penalty and and just totally nulled. I mean, so he actually not his he probably fault. had, yeah, technically he probably had 12 targets. Yeah. I mean, it's just hey, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, agree. I, I, I went back and forth with somebody on Twitter uh, briefly where they were just like, Oh, I'm so tired of hearing about how Isaiah Williams is going to get used. And like, they don't like, they don't use him. I'm like, dude had 10 targets yesterday. Dude, like dude would have done what he was supposed to do yesterday. And we would have all been super excited for Brett Bielema, this Illinois offense, for their usage of Isaiah Williams yesterday, it's just every big play that he had happened to get called back. It was just a very frustrating day overall for him. But he is still somebody you need to be picking up on your waiver wires if he is available. Because, again, you get that volume every single week. That's going to be great. The only thing I don't love is that out of his 10 targets yesterday, five of them were behind the line of scrimmage. Granted, that's where he does his dirty work. But even still, those are the kind of plays that if they don't work out, boom, that's negative yardage on that play. That's negative points for you. But even still, Isaiah Williams is the passing weapon for this Illinois team. I think he's absolutely worth a roster. 100% 100 agree. Um, don't... Don't just look at the box score. If you watch this game, you knew he was the focal point of their of their passing game. Yeah. And they they brought over and, and you maybe think to yourself, ah, it's just going to be a Brett Bielema ground and pound. Let's let's you know let's just blow him off the line of scrimmage yeah. type of offense. Now they ran the ball extremely well, like, no doubt Chase about that. Chase Brown was a beast yesterday. Oh my gosh, he's yeah, he's so good. Um, but they brought over the offensive coordinator from UTSA, who is. Uh, 
highly regarded as one of the more creative, better offensive coordinators that there are out there. And it was a fantastic hire. And if you saw what UTSA was capable of in the past game last year, then you would know that they're going to find creative ways to get him the ball. And that showed, even though the stat line did not represent that. Yeah, 100%. I, I fully, fully agree. All right, moving on to our next wide receiver here. We got Grant DuBose, wide receiver out of Charlotte, rostered on 30% of Fantrax leagues. This is a guy that I think is set to blow up as soon as Charlotte figures out his offensive lows here. Again, it was a terrible performance for them yesterday, but even in that terrible performance, Grant DuBose, four catches, 83, um, 83 yards, and two touchdowns. I believe he had five targets on the day. Again, they get this worked out a little bit further. I absolutely think he's going to be their big play threat throughout the entire offseason. Him and Victor Tucker, I think, could very well both be wide receivers that you can see relevant. As Again, as soon as they can get their efficiencies on offense kind of worked out a little bit better here. What do you think overall about Mr. DeBose here, Nate? So this was probably the only game that I didn't really get to see much of yesterday. But... He's, I mean, he was literally their only offense. They scored 13 points. They were both their only touchdowns were, were off of his touchdowns. Yep. And getting a 52-yard uh, touchdown reception in, in the first quarter uh, obviously is, uh, is, is pretty intriguing. And um, the offense just passing-wise seems to run through him. Their defense is really, really, really bad. Really bad. Um, so they're going to have – that game script is going to be in his favor. Um so, yeah, it would not surprise me if we see some outbursts like this from him throughout the throughout the season. He is a uh, somebody you could get for pretty cheap off of waivers if, if he's not rostered in your league. And, and I think he's he's got some pretty decent upside. Yeah, because, again, like the, the Charlotte number one wide receiver isn't really a sexy position to have in CFF as of right now. Again, it's not right. it's not something that everybody's like, oh, I need to go check out that Charlotte game because I need to figure out who that wide receiver one is. <laughs> Right. So you can probably kind of sneak him under the radar right now if he's available. All right, keeping it going here. Let's get the wide receivers. Tyron Smith. Man, this was fun yesterday. Wide receiver out of UTEP, rostered on 11% of leagues. Awesome day yesterday for UTEP, even though they lost seven receptions, 127 yards, and a touchdown. Dude was blowing it up from the beginning of the beginning of the game all the way to the end, always involved. Do we have our Jacob Cowing replacement here? Nate. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Of all the guys we've highlighted um, in this wide receiver list, he's one that I would run to my waiver wire to make sure that I scoop up. Yep. Um, this dude's a really good player. Obviously, there's there's a, a void left behind from from Jacob Cowling moving on to Arizona. Yep. And what a wild time we, we live in in a time now where the UTEP wide receiver was the one that we want not any of the North Texas wide receivers nope. um, and, and their strong history of, of just, you know, blowing up with some incredible wide receivers. It's the UTEP guy that we want. And yeah, I, he's somebody um, you really, really need to take a hard look at to add to your roster. He's a dynamic player with the ball in his hands and um, similar to, to Isaiah Williams. They, he's the, he's the focus of that, of that passing game. Yep. And they've, you know, outside of a few non-conference games, they've got a, a pretty favorable schedule. I'll throw one more name out here that I, th- I thought was interesting until I found out what he's registered as on Fantrax. Uh, so yeah. I'm going to throw out there uh, Ronaldo Flores, mm-hmm. who I thought was going to be like that opposite receiver and everything until 
He had, he had eight catches for 122 yards yesterday, so he had a great day as well. Here's the problem. On fan tracks, he's labeled as a running back. Yeah, so I'm guessing that is – I don't know much about him, to be honest with you, but I'm, I'm guessing he's a position change guy. Probably. And that, running, that running back uh, eligibility is still left over from last year. You Hopefully know, that whatever. changes. Yeah, yeah, I mean, but whatever. I mean, maybe they – Keep, I would keep an eye on it if he's somebody where Fantrax adds the wide receiver, he gets dual eligibility like a Jordan Whittington or something like that. Oh, yeah. That's then that that then becomes a little bit more intriguing if we see a pattern of him getting uh, the amount of targets that he got last night. Yeah, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying pick him up off your waiver. Sure. He's, he, he's definitely a watch list guy. Like, just keep an yeah. eye on him. Yeah. yeah. All right. You know, Hardison looked, he looked pretty solid. Like, yeah. I, you I know, mean, I mean, less than 50% completion, not great, but. It's North Texas. Don't get me wrong. It's North Texas. Their their defense is not great, but but I mean, I think that my concern with Smith was is can Hardison support him? And I, I think yes, he can. I think that I think we can. I think we can say that he can. I I agree one hundred percent. A third of his completions went towards Tyron Smith. You gotta love that right. share right there. Yeah. All right. One more wide receiver here. This one to me is the once again you're playing the game of how much of this was him just being that dude and how much of this was the fact that again this is unlv playing literal potatoes in football uniforms ricky white wide receiver at a unlv eight percent uh eight percent roster ship in the fan tracks leagues had eight receptions 182 yards and two touchdowns yesterday like again where do we go with this because here's my kind of thought process. Again, part of me is like, okay, yes, obviously the 20, 25 plus, uh, um, like 20 to 25 plus yards per catch every single, like is probably not going to be sustainable every single week. Two touchdowns out of eight catches, probably not going to be sustainable every single week. But it did strike me that like they kept him out there for a good while. Like again, they are the, like, Throughout the game, they 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 kept going to him. It wasn't like this came off of like one or two big plays. They kept him out there for a while. They gave him plenty of targets. I think again, Kyle Williams is fine, but I think if I am going to pick up a UNLV wide receiver going forward here, it's going to be Ricky White, former Michigan State wide receiver, showed flashes while he was there. I think this is one of those best case scenarios where a talented guy takes a step down in converse, uh, competition and he's going to flash here in the Mountain West. What do you think, Nate? This is a really good G5, like sneaky good wide receiver room with mm-hmm. him and Williams in it. Um, they're, they're both really solid talents. Um, my concern here is not with the ability. I think Ricky White does have a ton of ability. He popped at times at Michigan State. Now he was constantly in the doghouse and having some some off-the-field issues that, that were a concern, but Talent wise, he's great. My, I think the thing I'm most concerned with is can this system support um, a really fantasy relevant wide receiver when they're not playing Idaho State? So I think that's that's the biggest question. They got to buy next week, and then they face Cal in week three, and then they face North. Sorry, week two, I guess, um, and then they face North Texas in okay. in week three. So we'll have a pretty good idea after those first couple of games when they're when they're back after their buy. Yep. But it's a situation where I'm willing to roll the dice on the talent. Yes. Um, because I do think this could be a big fish, small pond situation here. Yeah, I agree 100%. And like, again, obviously, I'm not expecting 182 yards any given week. 
I do really like, again, the fact that they were playing a lesser opponent and they still found a way to get, like, eight, nine, ten targets his way mm-hmm. throughout that game. So, yeah. Yeah, and clearly if you they're can, making a point to get it to him. Yeah, and if you can, if you can pop uh, occasionally, um, and, and, I mean, I think he had, he had a week at Michigan State. Um, this was during the COVID season uh, where he went for 150 to 200 yards and that was on a team that had Jaden Reed and Naylor yep. and some of those other guys. And when you can, sh- when you can show out with that kind of, uh, of talent in that wide receiver room, you have my attention. And then you go to a small place like UNLV where you can get that, that, that targets uh, that you've, that you didn't maybe get before. Man, mm-hmm. if he can, if he can get right and stay on the field, he's, he's got the talent. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's finish up with tight ends here. We got two on the docket here for you guys here today. Uh, first of all, Nate kind of mentioned him earlier. Travis Vokalek, tight end out of Nebraska, 9% roster ship on fan tracks. Yesterday finished with five receptions, 63 yards. Injured about halfway through the third quarter, if I remember correctly. I uh, went out pretty early into the second half. Austin Allen was the number one tight end or the number one receiving option for Nebraska last year. So this is obviously not a coaching staff that is not afraid to use their tight ends. And like you mentioned, Nate, he was a safety blanket for Casey Thompson yesterday when Palmer wasn't there, when um, I forget the other receiver's name who had a pretty good day. Uh, when he's not uh, there. Isaiah Cast- Castaneda, the, the New Mexico State transfer. So yeah. He had a good game. So like when they when they're not open everything he's a great dump off option for Casey Thompson again I really do think his, him being out of the game impacted that game yesterday probably would have gotten even more workload This is a again this is just a position I think going forward in fantasy is the Scott Frost or just a Nebraska tight end that we're just going to want he's going to be a guy that's productive um we really saw it like come down the stretch last year with Austin Allen. I'm trying to see if I can find him. Yeah, Austin Allen finishes a tight end 25 last year. Probably would have finished even higher if they kind of figured him out earlier on in the offseason. I kind of like Travis Vokalek as a pickup option. Once again, kind of similar to Bryce, Bryson Nesbitt earlier, where if you just if you picked like a random tight end at the end of, at the end of your draft, like expecting to find somebody off the waiver wire, this is one of those guys to grab off the waiver wire. Yeah, so I'll, I'll even take it a step further. If you take a look at Mark Whipple tight ends, um, look at what he did at Pitt last year. Between between Lucas Kroll and Gavin Bartholomew, we're looking at right around 70 catches, 700 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Kroll was the tight end 19 last year, and Gavin Bartholomew is the tight end 41. And that's with them splitting. There's yep. nobody There's nobody that Vokalek is, is really splitting with here um the uh the young guy what's the other uh tight end fedone yeah fedone got injured um we're not really thinking that he's going to be back anytime soon it sounds like it was pretty serious um so yeah we've we've got a situation where system opportunity are kind of are kind of uh meeting here and um he looked good he looked good i I don't know the it's it's sunday afternoon we don't know the injury status um of- for what i heard I, I did a little bit of research into it this morning it sounds like the coaching staff expects him to be back relatively soon if not okay. this upcoming week yeah yeah i think um if you invested in josh simon go pick up travis vocal <laughs> i think so as well <laughs> all right let's hit up one more tight end here again this was kind of a, a surprise one again i'm Scraping a little bit of the bottom of the barrel here in terms of like trying to find some guys to talk about a tight end because again week zero not a ton of tight ends but Jake Roberts stood out to me. This is a tight end from North Texas. 
We have seen in the past Jason Pirtle be very productive for this North, Tex uh, North Texas offense in the past, and he finished second on the day in terms of receptions and production. He had 54 yards on four receptions and a touchdown. This is definitely, again, maybe not somebody you're running to the waiver wire to get, kind of like Vokalek is, but he's definitely somebody I would keep an eye on kind of going forward if you're, if you're like, if you grab the tight end you really like, but that tight end's really not looking too great in a couple weeks from now, this is a guy that you probably need to keep on your watch list and say like, alrighty, now's the time, I'll pick him up, because I guarantee you this is not going to be a guy that people are immediately picking up off their waiver wires this year. Everybody's going to kind of be waiting on him if they even know he exists. Again, he is, according to Fantrax, rostered in 0% of leagues right now. So, Nate, what do you think about Jake Roberts here? Yeah, I think if you're, if you know, I probably want to see another week or two out of him before before he's a, he's a for sure ad for me. But if, yeah, if you're, like you mentioned before, if you're one of those people that waited or like to um, just kind of um, take a, take a tight end every other week, you know, just based off matchups and that type of thing. I, I think Jake Roberts is, is a decent option. Um, he's shown some potential. He's, if you're in a dynasty league, he's a sophomore. He's somebody that I'd keep my eye on. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the, I want to see him string together another couple games, but um, I think, I think there's, opportunity here there the 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 offense has got to be better passing the ball than they were last yep. year they look decent um passing the ball against utep so um, but it's utep but it is utep <laughs> but yeah i uh he's he's somebody definitely worth monitoring yeah 100 percent. all right that brings us to the end of our show here nate really appreciate you coming on here and everything man this is going to be fun this season, I can already tell. We're going to have a great waiver Wire show for you guys every week. Don't forget to check us out on Wednesday. Make sure you check out the podcast feed. Make sure you look on Wednesday because we'll have another show for you guys out this week. And we get to week one. The, the CFF season officially, officially starts this week. This is the week where we all have to actually remember to set our lineups before noon on <laughs> Saturday. Don't forget to do that, y'all. But even so, awesome job. Really appreciate you guys. And we'll see you guys later this week. Have a wonderful and blessed day.